Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. It's Miller and Condon, Trent Condon. Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours as KXNO switches back to local sports programming here as we take you until noon. The BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this today. We're going to start uh, with our friend Vinny Iyer from uh, the Sporting News. He covers the NFL. Uh, we will speak with Vinny on the NFL and maybe some Northwestern Topics that kind of interjoined uh, with you, Will, with Fitz be perhaps being fitted for an NFL head coaching job. I hope he stays selfishly. Uh, but Vinny I will uh, join us at 1025. We'll go over the playoffs. We'll get into the debacle from Sunday Night Football and cover some ground with Vinny on the NFL at about 1025. Uh, just because the calendar is turned to 2021, I don't have to uh, say to remind you of this. It, uh, it, uh, there are still major, major concerns in our community. And to that end, uh, in partnership with our partnership with uh, Nick McMCMIC, Trent and I will focus uh, on some of those. Uh, causes and Michelle Book is going to join us. We're going to do a lot with the food bank as we did in the month of December. Uh, there's clearly a need, so we'll get the CEO of the Food Bank of Iowa, Michelle Book, in here just before eleven o'clock for oh six or eight minutes uh, to so she can share her message, and we will continue to share her message uh, in the uh, subsequent days uh, ahead. At 11.05, looking forward to this. Of course, Iowa State's back on the hardwood tonight to travel to Austin to take on Shaka Smart's Longhorns, where the clones, I think I saw yesterday, Trent, are about a 13.5-point dog in the basketball game. So Chip Brown, who is as tuned into uh, Texas athletics as anybody, in my opinion, uh, he will join us. We'll obviously uh, go back into the Tom Herman situation. Uh, he was the one that broke the Sarkeesian. He's going to be the next head coach before game day or anybody at ESPN had it. Uh, Chip Brown had the story. But we'll also preview uh, the Texas-Iowa State matchup. If you can't see the game, it airs on our sister station, 100.3 The Bus. Uh, Tip-off is at 7. I believe coverage getting underway with 6 with John and Eric and company. Uh, and the game is on the Longhorn Network. If you're a Direct TV subscriber, do you a favor so you don't have to hunt for it. The one or two times you go over there <laughs> during the year. Uh, tonight's one of those nights. 677 on DirecTV is where you will find Iowa State and Texas for a 7 o'clock tip. And then our friend Zubin Mahente in his regular spot on Tuesday will join us at 1125 uh, as we will go around the world of sports with Zubin. Former of couple, well, still a couple of uh, current colleagues of Zubin's and everybody at ESPN. Somebody tweeted this yesterday, Trent. I thought it was a, uh, we'll do more with, with Cappy tomorrow. Uh, just the new voices. And, and well, Benetti's kind of new, mm-hmm. but he's also kind of established. But Adam Admin doing the Bulls. Yeah. Of course, Benetti doing the White Sox. And now Shambi doing the Cubs. That's three guys that you have to think if they're so inclined uh, and they are successful, and they are well-liked. Could be there for a while. And also could make a next jump up. The Gymnances of the world Man, are going okay. to be around forever. Yeah, and Benetti and 
and Shambi still get to do their side gigs. They do, quote. yes. Now, ESPN is not going to have the same number of national broadcasts that they did in the past. Uh, reading through some of the parts of the contract, uh, one of the guys over at the Athletic talked Baseball a little bit about or, that. Baseball or college hoops? Oh, for Benetti. I'm sorry. I, I was talking I mean, about Shambi. Yeah, yeah, both of them. For Shambi, yeah. He's still going to be able to do some national baseball games yeah. and, of course, come playoffs. He uh, He's the well. radio guy, right? I, yes. I believe he is. So he'll have a little bit more flexibility to do some of those things. Over the course of 162, say Marquis has, what, 145 probably, of the, yeah. maybe even higher, 150 right. of the broadcasts. I guess he'll do probably in the 140 range, maybe 10 dates that he'd have mm-hmm. open. I wonder if that's. I wonder what the number is for for anybody, for Dick Bremer, for Brian Anderson, who does a lot of national yeah. stuff for TBS and Turner. Mm-hmm. You know how different it is for each of those guys and the number of games to quote unquote hit their number for the year. Yeah, it, I mean the only way we would know is to see their contracts right. in the past. But Benetti will still do college basketball that doesn't overlap. Um, and uh, Shambi will be able to do college basketball for ESPN. He'll still be able to do those games, as you as, as you mentioned. So we've got a n- number of topics coming up with Zubin. Where I want to start with you today, and I'm looking forward to Vinny Iyer, by the way, because you know, the, with the calendar, sports calendar being what it was, usually you and I are so ensconced in the NFL once the bowl announcements come out and until the bowl games are played, we really start to focus on the NFL, and we didn't this year because, well, we thought Iowa was going to play, and we saw that Iowa State did play, and those are the two needle movers. But there's a, a three-pack of games on Saturday and Sunday that are pretty damn good, and I love the way that they're positioned. Uh, normally on Sunday, you'd get that the 5.30 start would be the late game. Well, we've got actual Sunday night football. Uh, we've got 12.05, 3.40, and I want to say 7.15, 7.30 for the late game. So three games on Saturday and three games on Sunday. Uh, they're all juicy, trying to find a way for those Bears to beat the Saints to set up another Packers uh, and Bears game at Lambeau Field. Maybe do you really Bears. want to see I that? I do want to see it. I like that rivalry. You know what that's going to turn into. I do. You know, for the, yeah, probably so. But... Um, I just I just like those two te- and they're regional teams, right? We've got three of the four regional teams that have advanced to the playoffs. That's Not too pretty bad, good, right? Pretty so, good. Mention this to you uh, at the top. It long suffering Bears fan, and it's been bad. It's been a bad stretch since I was a little kid. This has not been a very good organization since the mid-80s. Mm-hmm. And through the late 80s, they were still good, never could get back to the Super got Bowl. Got back to one Super Bowl and got beat. In the rain in, where was it, Tampa, Miami? Miami, yeah, against the Colts. Yeah, But I uh, heard this number nugget from a buddy of mine yesterday, also a Bears fan. And he asked me, how many times over the last quarter century? 25 years. So going back to 1995-ish. Yes. Okay. How many times have been in the playoffs? So how many times have the Bears been in the playoffs since 1995? 25 well, years. I heard your answer, um, and it would have surprised me. I said 10, maybe 12. Mm-hmm. See, every other? Every other year. Yeah, yeah there's a couple down stretches. The number is five. Yeah. This will be their Surprising. sixth playoff appearance in 25 years. The Bengals have more than them. <laughs> the Lions have as many Isn't as them. Crazy? During a 25 years, this 25 years, the Lions and Cincinnati... Uh-huh. Have as many playoff appearances, fast Cincinnati, more playoff appearances than the Chicago Bears. This is a bad that organization. That surprised me, Trent. And that surprised me. Yeah, the Vikings, they've been there. I think I counted up last night. I think it was 11 mm-hmm. during that 25 year stretch. Of course, the Packers seemingly every single year. They've got an offseason ahead of them, the Vikings. Outside of the Browns, is there an organization more inept in the NFL 
than the Chicago Bears? Mm. Well, I you, guess you, the you Lions would be the, the other question one. By by saying that the Lions have as many, right? Um, that would be the one. It's crazy to think of. Now the Lions have not won a playoff game during that twenty-five year mm-hmm. run. Their last playoff win came in ninety-one mm-hmm. when they Jacksonville had success early. They did. Remember Mark Brunel locked just a couple years Denver? ago there in the AFC Championship True. game. Yep. With Blake Bortles, right, <laughs> quarterback in a pretty. Who's now? Defense. Where is he? With the, the he was picked off the Broncos practice squad for Week Seven. Must have been the Rams because okay. the Rams. You're right, because mm. the Rams didn't have a quarterback. Because Goff got hurt. They and, got and Wolford. Wolford, uh, and and I think Bortles was the well. Regardless, yeah, who cares but, about Blake Bortles' career. It, it's just it was surprising. Look, hearing the number, yeah. then looking it up and looking through just how bad this organization has been. And maybe because of that, I don't know, that just disappointment that seemingly crops up every single time, in a way, yeah, it'd be great to beat the Saints. You know this team isn't going to a Super Bowl. No. no. But then knowing what's waiting on the other end, it's the Packers. Even if you pull this upset. And a team where you played very well against Mm -hmm. them earlier this season, had a chance to win that game against the Saints. Even if you do that knowing... It's going to be a playoff loss, and it's going to be more than likely a drilling, and it's going to come at the hands of the Packers again. Mm. It takes away at least a little bit of the excitement for me, but I'm not going to see playoff games very often. Maybe I shouldn't be that way. No, I'm with you. Few and far between. Yep. Look at... Um, During that time, your Broncos have won 22 playoff games, by the way. Is that what it is? Won 22 playoff games. Yeah. Well, there's been a couple of good years in there. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, Super Bowl 32, 33, and 50 were pretty damn good for us Bronco fans out there. Speaking of the Broncos, how about John Elway walking the plank? So, did that come as a surprise to you? Well, because he owns the, the city, mm-hmm. um, and you would think that... He would be able to look. There was a lot. He took a lot of criticism for John Elway, the general manager. Mm-hmm. He was never able to replace himself, with the exception of Peyton Manning, who fell into his lap. Right. right? Um, he was never able to find that quarterback. I don't know if he has. I don't think you could just cast Drew Locke aside at this point. You have to stick with him. But uh, I want to know if he was pushed. I mean, was it? You got to move upstairs. You can still save some face, Trent. There's no, there's very few cities that have all the major sports teams, that you can look to one guy as the face of that city sports-wise. Mm-hmm. And Denver's one of those cities. Yeah, Todd Helton doesn't exactly no. do it. <laughs> Great career. Dikembe Mutombo. Right, or, or Dan Issel. Yes, no, right? no Not, car dealerships for Dikembe. Right. Nathan McKinnon with the Avalanche, or Joe Sackick, or Patrick Waugh. Mutombo Mitsubishi. right. Yeah, I mean, always got car dealership on every corner. He's got at least one, maybe two steakhouses in, and just you can't do anything wrong there. It's it's. Um, but he has done a lot of wrong. Oh, he has. And yes, the drafts have not been good. Most everybody else in that job wouldn't have survived this mm-hmm. long. Well, Peyton Manning fell into his lap, and he got to a Super Bowl twice with Manning. Once he lost to the Seahawks, the game in New Jersey when they were just blown out, what forty-two to eight or something like that, and then beat uh, uh, the Carolina Panthers in Super Bowl fifty. All right, enough about that. Let's. Get to local, local, local. And there was some local last night. And it was great that it was on CBS Sports Net mm-hmm. at 6 o'clock at night. But you know what, Trent? It was hard to watch because Drake absolutely destroyed a Southern Illinois team that a lot of people thought was going to be pretty good in the Valley this year. And they were just crushed from the outset. I think it was like 8 4, maybe 10 8 at one point, tied 12 12. And then all of a sudden, 
They couldn't stop Drake. And Drake was getting every loose ball. And Drake was making all of these shots time after time after time. And Southern Illinois just, I mean, Trent awful. Yeah. Damask, who was, he's their best player. He had two points last night. He had two points last night. Look how deep DeVries was able to go on that bench. I didn't know he had that many guys on a roster. I'm right there with you. And again, it was Garrett Sturts, who... He couldn't miss in the first half. He was incredible. Even when Southern came out to start the second half, hit a couple of threes and got to eight, was it? Or maybe it was 12. But All right, here they come. And Drake had to answer every single time and then just kept stretching and stretching. Penn was outstanding. This... I, I don't know how good this team is. The win against Kansas State... Great beating a Big 12 team. They're off. Yeah, true. It's a bad team. Mm-hmm. As a team that but needed... But did it at their place. They did. Yeah. Nobody there. Right, sure. The Octagon of Dune. Yeah. But we still... At 13-0, you know they're good. Right. You know what I like about it? They're getting Matt Norlander. Mm-hmm. Dickie V. Right. National college basketball guys at least are aware of the Drake story. Which, as we turn the calendar now into January, in the first week of January... There's only one team that's 13 and 0 in college basketball. Right. It's Des Moines team. Your Drake Bulldogs, pretty good story. And last night, if it wasn't Drake or if it wasn't one of the local teams, Trent, you turn that channel. Right, right. You can't stick with this. This is awful. This is boring. This is this is this isn't fair almost. What did they shoot? What 60% were they 60% in both from 3? And 6% overall. Is that what it was? They were, let's see, I got the box score. Yes, 60% from the field, 34 of 57, and 9 of 15 from deep, and 9 of 10 from the free throw oh, line. Oh, that's all they did. Out-rebounded Southern by 20. So if you're DeVries, what do you, what do you, what do you poke holes in today? Well, hmm. they turned it over 17 times. All right, there's They turned team. it over 17 times. And still won by that many. And won by 31. Now, a lot of those turnovers, I stuck with it. A lot of those turnovers were from guys that... You know, seemingly you're not going to see too much. A little right? deeper down on the bench. Yeah, really deep on the bench. But um, at least that seemed like it to me watching the final few minutes of that game. And Southern hit a couple of threes late in it. Actually, to make it a only 31. I mean, because it was trending 40-plus at one point. That's what I was kind of sticking around for. They're going to beat this team by 40. But look, good for them. Great story. Now, what's next for them? They've just had back-to-back home games. And, they of course, did. that's the way the Valley is going, with the exception of you and I. Who they will not play back to back. They'll go there and they'll come here. They're their travel partner, right? If you will. So it's not till next weekend, and it'll be another double dip coming to the Nap Center. Who is it? Loyola. Oh my! How about that? It's as big as it gets in the MVC this year. It is the second place team right now. Ken Pomeroy. His numbers have Drake favored by a point mm. against the Ramblers. So that'll so be set. they're off till then. That's how it's wow. set up basically throughout the season. Outside of when you play your travel partner, if you will, for Drake. It's it's you and I, and, and you go that route. So that's the way that it's set up. I love it. Uh, these back-to-back games are weird. Yeah. I'm trying to find the right gambling angle. I have so, not been you, able to find that yet. You said yesterday that the point spread yesterday was exactly the same as it was on Sunday's game. It was. In fact, it ticked down. It was 10.5 on Sunday, went off at 10.5. Yesterday, opened at 10.5, and, and I looked at it. Oh, 5.15 maybe last night, and I saw almost across the board in Vegas, it was at 10. Hmm. So there was, I would well, guess, some Southern. Of, yeah, there wasn't a lot of money on the game. but Right, but some what, Southern money came was, in yep. on, on a late night of college basketball. So the story's incredible. 
And DeVries loses Liam Robbins. Yeah. Really good MVC player. He was off to a really good start in his Minnesota career. Yes. And we'll see him again when? Sunday, 1.30, did you say? 1.30 is the Hawks, Minnesota? Yes. That's uh, the start time for that one. But you lose Robbins. And you lose some other pieces. Murphy was a nice guy for him a year ago. But the way that this roster has changed every single year for DeVries. And when it started... He needed a bunch of guys, and that's how he got mm-hmm. Liam Robbins because mm-hmm. he got a lot of scholarships and throw it at this seven-footer yeah. that just happens to be from the state of Iowa, and he turns out to be good. But the way that he's been able to rebuild roster year after year, bring in different parts, and, and do it, you know, there wasn't a recruiting win. There isn't anything where they right. went out there and beat even a UNI or a Loyola for a lot of these guys that they brought in, even guys, teams on the same playing field. Shows you, I think, the coaching acumen Ugh. here. And, and he was up for that job at uh-huh. least two times before they finally pulled the trigger. But they didn't at want least. to. The athletic director. No, she didn't want any part of him. I no. don't, get, I don't get Somebody it. else suggested it. I don't want that. Yep. I'm going to go you grab a guy from Arizona State. That you're 100% right, Trey. If so, that, that seemingly was the way she did business. Mm-hmm. Sandy Hatfield Club. If it, was, if it wasn't her idea, it wasn't going to fly. Right. And I've been told that, and I think the proof is in the pudding. But they got the right guy now, and Brian Harden's also the right guy at the head of that uh-huh. department. Uh, those two guys um, uh, doing nice, nice work over there. Now, are they playing football? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. We talked uh, yesterday about the Missouri Valley Football Conference getting I started. They were. I think Chuck Reed told me that. Who's They're the going to give it a go with the I Pioneer. Maybe I'm mistaken. We'll take a look at yeah, it. Yeah, maybe I'm mistaken. Anyways, uh, so that was good. Uh, and then the late game last night, uh, if you were looking for some sports, it was a weird night not having football. <laughs> it was really, like, kind of withdrawal. They do have a spring schedule set up here. I'm looking at the Drake website right now. And it will start season opener March 13th as Marist will come to town. Uh, they'll open it up there. Three home games, though. Marist. And, and how, many, how, many home, uh, how many games on the schedule overall? There are six. Six. So they'll be playing a conference-only schedule. Yeah, good. I wonder if the Pioneer, they do have an automatic bid to the playoffs, but when they reduce the field of the FCS from 24 to six, 16, question. does the non-scholarship Pioneer say sorry? I would think that that would be the answer, but um, up until this year, don't really haven't paid too much attention right. to it because you know, it doesn't hate to say it moved the needle. But uh, maybe in Mar- March, well, likely not with that other event that's going on. There's in something else. Indiana. A little bit later, though, maybe playing for a conference crown against Butler to finish up the year, yeah. April 17th, Pay right after the Masters. Uh, ESPN Plus, yeah. in all likelihood. So how about the Big 12 game last night? What a comeback. <laughs> that was incredible. I saw you tweet about it. Yeah. I was watching it as it was unfolding. and I, I got to the game probably, oh, I think Oklahoma State was up. They weren't up 19, but they might have been up 16. I think 19 was their biggest lead. Were you was, watching Indiana-Maryland? Uh, trying. Yeah. Oh, yeah, trying. Those are two bad teams. They really are, aren't yeah. they? I watched Maryland and Michigan earlier this weekend, mm-hmm. and I thought the same thing. I know Michigan says has that zero in conference beside their name. Do you think they're the best team in the Big Ten? No. I don't no. either. Not they're good. Shot. They're okay. They're a four or five seed in the NCAA tournament. Good. Yeah. Four or five, six, right in that middle range. But I wasn't, I mean, obviously Maryland is, I don't think, is is not good. And the Hawks have them Thursday. Thursday night, what yes. What time? Do you know? Is it eight? I want to say it's six. Good. I think it's an early start. I want, you, right here. I want it is you to six. be able to decide. Good. It is six o'clock on the deuce for that one. So, uh, yeah, yeah, they're not good. But but back to the Big 12. Yeah. Uh, and watching uh, Huggies team just, you know, get 
creep closer, 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 take the lead, and then find a way to hold on to that lead. And doing so without Toshibwe, who... I wonder what I mean. He just walked away from college basketball. He did, yeah. He, he walked away. He just he needed he needed to get away from the program. Uh, that was the release. There was nothing more that came along with it. They still got some players. I mean, Culver's a really nice mm-hmm. player, but Shipway's a really good player. Felt like they were they're finding out how to play without him though against Oklahoma. So did that first you see game, the first twenty minutes last night? Little bit, okay. probably of the twenty, maybe six or seven. Were they discombobulated? Just yeah, didn't yeah. look right. Didn't look. And it was more offensively than anything. Now, defensively, they were giving up. West Virginia has those stretches, though, where that, in fact, late in the game, the three that they gave up to Oklahoma yeah. State, where, Huggy, oh, you got to take the press off. You, what are you doing? And that was the case a couple of times in the first half that I saw. Just they were not in the right spot. Mm-hmm. But also playing with somebody like Toshiba in the back, your press can be a little bit more effective when you have that guy right. back there. But you could see and the momentum. And for the analytic nerds out there that don't believe that there is momentum in sports, there nothing analytically will tell you. Just watch that game. I, in a place where Old Mo was on their side, there yeah. were hundreds of people in the building. Uh-huh. Tell me, momentum was not a factor yeah. in that game. You just you can't do it. As much as I love numbers and statistics, and I like analytics, the ones that go so deep that say momentum—that's not a real thing. Come on. Mm-hmm. Watch a game. Uh, Vashusen and uh, Frischilla were both, uh, they weren't on site. And mm-hmm. we're going to see that. It's different, isn't it? A lot of stepping over each other. And stepping over and a little bit of lag every yep. every now and then. Something has happened. You've seen it happen and they're just getting it. Um, look, at that's the way it is. It'll be, it, what, what, what does this mean going forward? How are sports going to change in 2021? Or the way we cover sports or the way we're presented sports on television. How is that going to change in the years to come? The Zoom interview as opposed to yeah. meeting in person. Right. Are locker rooms going to be open? Or do you just park them in front of uh, mm-hmm. cameras we're doing now? The uh, MLB broadcast crews, do they go with the team on the road? Uh, they can't. They no longer. F- now, guys like Randy Peterson and Hines and, and Leistikow and Ember, they don't fly with the teams. Right. But the team's broadcasters do um, when they go out on the road. And this is at every level. And and that's changed this year. We'll see. We'll see how sports changes uh, coming out of this pandemic. Cost-cutting measures. Yeah. And companies are always looking mm-hmm. for ways to do that. Certainly makes sense. You can call the game. Is it going to be as good? No, it's not. But are people going to turn it off because of that? Probably not. Mm. Speaking of how things are changing, did you watch the... Um uh, what game was it? Was it the Niners? It was a couple. It was Week Sixteen, the game that was on. Was it Prime? Oh, Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. I it flipped was Niners it. and who? Uh, Cardinals. Cardinals. Yeah, I watched it a little bit on my phone. we at my parents' house for Christmas, so mm-hmm. they didn't. They have a smart TV. Didn't have the Prime account set up to it, connected yep. to it, and I just kind of wanted to see. It was towards the end of the game. Just flipped it on my phone. It was fine. Yeah, I watched it on my uh, my iPad. Right. Uh, I was really proud that I was able, well, that my wife was able to figure it out because her husband couldn't. Because um, we know how that would have turned out. <laughs> passwords, been, yeah. right. Um, but it was okay. And you know who's good? He did the Vikings game uh, against the Lions. Is it Joe Davies? He's the Dodgers broadcaster? Davis. Davis. Yeah. Joe Davis. He did that game, uh, the prime game, and he did the Vikings-Lions. He's pretty good. Yeah. He's one of those guys to watch his career because I think he's got young some, dude too. Young dude, I think he's got some major 
uh, steps forward in his career. You could tell he's pretty smooth. Yeah, he's pretty done smooth. some uh, college football for Fox. I think he he did. Yes, did he do the Iowa State game a few years ago? I don't know. By the way, the Iowa basketball or football? Football. Uh, Doc's got his first piece on, on the Cyhawk rivalry at the Athletic posted this morning. Uh, just before, I would like you and I somehow, you and me, yes, you and I, um, to keep track. Now, between now and when was the date? We'll say September 10th. Uh-huh. How many times we bring up that game? Oh. Between now and the day of the or the Friday of the game, how many times it's referenced on noon? Doc's right. We were right yesterday when we talked about it. The hype surrounding this year's edition, maybe because in part because we didn't get it last year, mm-hmm. in part because we think both teams are going to be pretty damn good. How many times we talk about it? You want to you take a guess? Well, let's see. We want to set an over-under? Nine months, 22 shows a month, basically. So we're up to about 190 shows. 175 <laughs> of those shows are brought many. up? I don't want it to be that many, but it, you know what? Um, In some form or fashion? Yeah. Probably going to be pretty close. Uh, we're late with Vinny I. We're also late for this. It's time for another $1,000 slam dunk. Text the keyword bank to 200-200 right now. It's your chance at $1,000. That's bank to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, Miller and Condon joined by Vinny Iyer. He's next. 1460 KXNO and 10. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Let's get to our friend Vinny Iyer uh, from the Sporting News. Kept busy over there covering the NFL, previewing all of the wild card matchups. Got a mock draft up for you uh, NFL fans that uh, have a team that's drafting in the top 10, as I do. Number nine with my Denver Broncos. And Vinny's nailed it. They're going to go cornerback. And I hope he's right, but we've got a lot of ground to cover, Vinny. Uh, good to speak with you. How are you, Vinny Iyer? Uh, doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. No, I appreciate you coming on. Boy, some uh, disappointing news uh, this morning. Well, anybody that gets COVID is disappointing. Feel bad for them. But the Browns fans and now their head coach and a couple of staffers, as well as a couple of players, uh, have been put on the COVID list, Finney. Uh, after this team waits so long to get back to the playoffs, they're back in the playoffs with, I think, a chance uh, to win on Wild Card Weekend. And all of a sudden, COVID rears its head. Yeah, it's uh, just uh, brutal here to hear that. I mean, it's been really tough here for the Browns uh, trying to navigate that late in the season. It came down to last week because they had all those wide receivers out against the Jets. So, yeah, tough. I mean, that tells you how serious this is, that it's really hard to squash it if you're an NFL team. You have to keep things really tight. And if it enters there, and this team has had it uh, for Miles Garrett early in the season to their wide receivers, they've how to deal with it, and uh, there's some teams, uh, I believe the Seahawks are one of those teams that have been able to avoid this all season. It takes a commitment from everyone, but we see it. Uh, it's kind of like a whack-a-mole situation where if there's going to be a little cluster here and there and somebody else is affected, it's going to get to other people, unfortunately, and that's the way this works. And I think uh, that's something that everyone needs to realize, and I think uh, just surviving to this part, of the NFL season and getting there in the playoffs 
was a big accomplishment for every team, not just the Browns. But now you have to be extra tight about everything with so much on the line. Six open jobs right now in the NFL, Vinny. I think most people would think that the Chargers is the best landing spot, even with some of the cons that are there. Ownership being among them, Patrick Mahomes, you're going to have to see. Drew Locke. Drew, well, maybe <laughs> that could be the case for you Bronco fans. But after the Chargers, what do you think is the next best oh, job or, or the next two on that list of six right now? Yeah, it, it, uh, it's looking at uh, these situations, it's, it's tough to see uh, where you want to go. I mean... Uh, I mean, these changes come so quick, and you're not sure if there's any stability in these franchises. And part of it is why these franchises don't succeed. So, I think you just want to see some consistency, some chances for uh, the younger players to uh, kind of build and have something there. Because it seems to be an endless cycle. If you get into the point of saying we're not winning, and uh, you want to keep making changes, that you're never going to get that stability that you're looking for. Putting an offensive and defensive system, it's impossible to succeed that way. So I think the key is uh, just being patient if you're not among these uh, playoff teams. Uh, Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News uh, is our guest. Vinny, I want to go back to Sunday night. Look, I've said um, over the when Denver wasn't going to get in uh, that I hope they lose every game. Uh, but I wouldn't have been on board had um, Vic... Uh, just it, had the game against the Raiders meant anything, I would hope that the Broncos would have tried to win the game. Sunday night, that wasn't the case, I didn't think. And I think Doug Peters is making it worse by the hour with some of the excuses he's come up with. Pulling Hurts when, when they, he was moving the team effectively on offense. That was an important game for uh, who's some somebody, as we know, is going to win the NFC East. Washington needed to win. Washington was in a real dogfight. And then all of a sudden, Doug Peterson goes to Nate Sudfield, who has no business on the field, and gave them no chance to win. Uh, what does the NFL, or, or do they have to leg, a leg to stand on when it comes to what the Eagles did Um cutting against, in my opinion, the integrity of the league on Sunday night. Yeah, the only thing the NFL can do is just change up the schedule in Week 17 and just make that almost an additional playoffs where they need to, where you don't have a situation where one team is playing for nothing, one team is playing for everything, and other teams are hoping for a certain result. So I don't know if they'll ever get there, like almost flex scheduling within opponents. I mean, that's a complicated thing to consider, but... If a game's not meaningless against a particular team, say, wouldn't have been more interesting to say, okay, we are going to eliminate the Cowboys and Eagles. They're not the teams that are worth it here based on the standings. And just have the Giants and Washington play again in Week 17. So I don't know if there's that consideration. Maybe because they're division games, they can do that. It's going to be harder in the future with fans and all that. But I think that's what gets into it is that you get these games that you can't control what teams are playing for. And, I mean, to some degree, the Chiefs, I mean, they rested players, and I know their fans understand that winning the Super Bowl is more important, but that essentially becomes a preseason-style game that you're watching. And if you're paying for tickets now in the NFL, then I, I guess fans are getting smarter that you know what you're getting in Week 17. Maybe you're paying for the experience in Philadelphia. There were no fans in that sense to worry about that aspect. So, Maybe it allowed them to be a little bit more creative. But in the end, keep in mind that you're not just coaching here based on your evaluation mode. You're trying to coach to 
see what players are buying in or still going to be playing hard for next year, see the guys that you want to attach yourself, you want guys that are going to be motivated to the end and win, even when there's nothing on the line. And there were definitely a lot of Eagles players ready to do that. You have some reports saying that uh, a lot of them were disappointed and uh, showed that visibly against Doug Peterson. I just don't get the very beginning part of this whole thing is that why do you have to evaluate Nate Sudfeld? I think right. you have to evaluate Jalen Hurts right. all the way through. You're trying to make a big decision between Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz going forward that holds this whole entire franchise in the balance. And you're telling me Nate Sudfeld is worth looking at <laughs> as a potential low-end backup for a team going forward. So I think above all else, whether he was trying to win the game or not, that was a ridiculously short-sighted decision to make to change quarterback. Don't think there's any doubt the game, at least on paper of the weekend, is the one that'll kick off the Sunday coverage. That'll be Baltimore going to Tennessee. Baltimore, a road favorite here. We saw these two teams face off a couple of months ago at the end of November. Last Take year away too, in, in Yeah, We know what happened a year ago in the playoffs. It was all Derrick Henry. What do you expect to see in this one? Yeah, this it's going to be based on what team can get out to the fast start. This is very critical for both teams because then you could turn over the offensive running game. What a big difference between the week 11 matchup and it went to overtime. The Titans were able to survive that and big difference between uh, the game last year in the playoffs, the divisional round Titans defense is pretty awful at this point. I mean, the Ravens defense has gotten better. They've gotten healthier up front. I think they can contain the run a little bit better. Look at the secondary alone. The, Ravens are way deeper and stronger on the back end than Titans are. The Ravens also have some capacity in the pass rush. So everything points to don't let the Titans play with the lead. Try to jump on them early. Be aggressive with Lamar Jackson. It's not like the Titans have a great run defense either. So that's the thing is uh, it's going to be a shootout, and Tennessee, I think, needs to win a battle of attrition. And this one, they did that all throughout the playoffs last year. made some games ugly. That's how they stole the Patriots game, that's how they stole the Ravens game. But if the Ravens offense is performing like it has the past five weeks, Lamar Jackson locked into his receivers, J.K. Dobbins being explosive running, Gus Edwards uh, is a strong runner as well, Lamar doing his thing scrambling, I don't see there's a way for the Titans to win this game because overall, I mean, Derrick Henry is great, but look at last week. They run for 250, and they still had to sweat out the game. Yeah. At the end, I mean, so, yeah, we get impressed and enamored with what Derrick Henry does, and A.J. Brown is special, too, but it's not like uh, Marquise Brown and uh, J.K. Dobbins can't do the same thing to help uh, Lamar Jackson in this game against the really the weaker defensive opponent by far that matchup. Uh, Vinny, are we headed towards one versus one, Green Bay versus Kansas City? If not, which of the two one seeds is more likely to get picked off in your mind? Well, I think you look at the Chiefs' resume, and it lines up pretty well. I mean, they didn't play the Steelers, but they did handle the Bills pretty well when they met them, especially uh, containing Josh Allen. They also uh, took care of the Titans earlier. They took care of the Ravens. So they have a good resume against the teams that are there, and I don't think uh, the Browns or Colts are really built to beat the Chiefs either. So looking at the traps in the AFC, I think they're less daunting for the Chiefs, but the Packers certainly have a lot of them. The Saints are right there with them. The Seahawks, we know, can be dangerous. Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, two more Super Bowl winners in the mix. Then, of course, you have the GOAT, Tom Brady, lingering, mm-hmm. playing at a high level there. The Bucks, we know what they did to the Packers in the regular season. That was not yes. a pretty game for Green Bay. That was 
really Green Bay's only real blemish. I know they lost uh, games to the uh, Colts and Saints, but nothing was as ugly as that Buccaneers game. So that's the thing they're going to have to recover potentially in the divisional round. But, yeah, I mean, it would not surprise you. I think even, I would say, down to the Rams because of their defense that any of those teams other than the Bears would have a chance to get to the Super Bowl. So uh, I I think the NFC, you look at the records in the AFC, you might say, okay, there's 11-win teams throughout here. This is, might be a tougher field. But I still think the NFC is tougher because that's why you have this records a lot tighter there in that uh, conference because these teams were beating each other up a little bit this season. First year of the seven expanded uh, playoffs, an extra team in each of the conferences. Vinny, it felt like there was a little bit more on the line, more games that mattered in Week 17, and now we get six games on Wild Card Weekend. I don't think any football fan is going to complain about that. But your uh, initial takeaway, just one year into the expanded playoffs for the NFL. Well, I think it's good and bad. I think you get a team like the Bears, which I'm not really thrilled that they're in the playoffs, but again, Washington football team is also in the playoffs there. I guess that's the other team that I don't see making a run in the NFC. But, yeah, I mean, it would have been better a little bit to see the Cardinals in there and maybe a team like that, maybe have a winning NFC East team. Yeah, that would have been great. But remember, a lot of these inflated AFC records come from playing the NFC and getting some wins there, so that's something to consider. I, I don't know. Like, if that seven team doesn't have a chance right away, and we won't know that until we see the Saints play the Bears and uh, the Bills play the Colts, like, if that team's not going to make it competitive, I don't understand the reasoning behind adding an extra playoff team. On the flip side of that is, do you really need to challenge the number two seed? Shouldn't they get something else? for finishing number two, or is that just the way it is? You want to motivate everyone to be number one and kind of have a clear-cut uh, Super Bowl favorite there in each conference. So it'll be interesting for sure. I think uh, I, I'm not having high expectations for the Bears to make that game competitive, but I could definitely see the Colts as an 11-win team, really uh, not much difference between them and the Bills in the regular season, making that a game there in Buffalo. So I think it just depends. It's going to change from season to season. You might have a situation like this arise uh, where you have all 10 or 11 win teams in the playoffs there for the AFC, but you could also have the NFC flip side of it. And, and keep in mind that uh, the schedules are different and all that. So people look at that and think that oh, this team is below 500 or above 500. Everyone gets a break and is inflated or deflated some way with their record. So that's where you need the playoff equalizer to kind of uh, set things straight with all these teams. And the one thing we know in the NFL, when you have 14 teams of 32, there's going to be a legitimate champion. They're going to have to really yep. earn it here in the playoffs. And uh, that's, I think, what we like versus uh, debating endlessly about who should be number four in the college football playoffs. <laughs> Although it, it certainly uh, uh, kills some segments here on Sports Talk Radio. Vinny, Iyer, Vinny last thing for you. Um, I, I saw your mock draft. I, the, my eyes, first of all, went to number three where the Dolphins pick. I know that uh, the the Cardinals, they talked Josh Rosen early, and they were willing to, you know what, this isn't going to work. We think that this kid, Kyler Murray, is better. And after one year, they, they, they went in a different direction. Tua Tagliavoa does not look like a quarterback uh, in the an NFL that his, his arm uh, is going to be um, lead him anywhere. 
Do you think that there's a chance that the Dolphins do an about face and and grab a quarterback? Let's say Fields isn't taken uh, second overall by the Jets, and he's still on the board. Any chance the Dolphins uh, decide to go away from Tua this quickly? That's a very good question because I would say like the Chargers feel pretty good about the Justin Herbert pick, and assuming Joe Burrow is healthy coming back, and the Bengals feel really good about that pick. Yeah, you're not quite sure what the Dolphins think about that pick, but I think they made an interesting move this week. Uh, they've now gone to their third offense coordinator yet to be determined here, fired uh, Chad O'Shea before this season. Now they uh, moved on from Chan Gailey. So uh, I get it, Tua was only there for the Chan Gailey era, but is that indication that they saw Tua underachieving and think he could do better in a different system? Were they holding him back, and is that why they were frustrated with Gailey, where they refused to just kind of let him loose and see what he could do there and put him in these precarious positions where he was uh, throwing in a compressed passing game, not letting him show what he could do downfield. So I think those are considerations. I still think he has a lot of upside as a starting quarterback. I don't think he's a Josh Rosen or Dwayne Haskins. I know those were different failures for uh, different reasons, but I don't think that he's a resettable quarterback at this point. Uh, I think you look at the Dolphins, and maybe after this year, if things don't look as good, then you would go in that direction. But remember, you didn't give him a fair evaluation. You kind of put him in there in midseason. He wasn't pretty much a starter all season the way Herbert Burr were. You didn't uh, always trust him fully. You brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick and Leaf in a, key, in a couple key spots when you needed him there. So it was not like they were all in to help Tua Tagola here. They were maybe surprised by the fact that they were in the playoff race. And I said, ah, we got to do our due diligence to try to get in the playoffs here as much as we can until uh, things are going to break down that they finally did in week 17. So they're probably caught in that where they expect to be somewhat uh, trying to play for the playoffs while rebuilding with a new quarterback. So that was a pleasant surprise, but it also could have hurt Tua by not going all in on just seeing him develop by the way we saw with Barrett Herbert. So a lot of questions there. I think the biggest thing you do with Tua, however, you keep him. I have Jamar Chase going to the Dolphins. They need another mm-hmm. big-time playmaker. There with uh, Devontae Parker, use Mike Gusecki more, get that third playmaker there, and then also look for a little bit more interior pass protection there because they invest a lot in the offensive line, the offseason draft picks and uh, signings, but I think they need to get a little bit better inside, and uh, that's why I like uh, Wyatt Davis to the Dolphins uh, from Ohio State with that second pick. Good stuff, Vinny. I appreciate the good uh, segment. We will uh, talk to you before championship week. Thank you, Vinny. I appreciate it. You can read Vinny at the Sporting News, sportingnews.com. Vinny, thank you. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate you coming on. Take a time out. We will uh, catch up with our friend uh, Michelle Book from the Food Bank of Iowa. That's next uh, in hour number two. Chip Brown joins us. Uh, look forward to speaking with Chip. Uh, he covers Texas. We've got Iowa State, Texas tonight on the hardwood, but we'll also do some football with Tom Herman and some Big 12 talk. That's uh, coming up. And then Zuba Mahente, Miller and Condon till noon, 1460 KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Let's get right to our friend Michelle Book. She is the CEO of the Food Bank of Iowa. Foodbankiowa.org is the website. Foodbankiowa.org. Michelle, Trent, and Ken, Happy New Year to you. Sadly, just because we turned the calendar doesn't mean we turn our back on the need because, uh, unfortunately, the need uh, for your service is still there. How are you? 
I'm I'm swell. Thanks for having me on this morning. And you are so right. Uh, Feeding America, McKinsey Consulting, uh, they've told us that food insecurity is double today versus what it was a year ago, triple for families with children. Mm. It's incredible. And uh, we're seeing more and more kids across our community going back to school, but that doesn't mean that those, some of those meals are covered. There aren't other needs out there. As we go through this winter season, and it's cold, and it's going to be cold the next few days, it's got to be difficult to get a lot of the food to the different places. What do you guys have set up during the wintertime? What's a little bit different for the Food Bank of Iowa? Yeah, this time of year is particularly difficult for many families. Um, energy bills escalate. About 30% of your energy bill is just for heating, and people can see double energy bills um, during cold winter months. And at at the end of the day, at the end of the week or the month, they don't have money to buy groceries um, and also keep the house warm. So Food Bank of Iowa is continuing to work with our partners uh, across 55 counties. Uh, right here in Polk County, we have about 165 partner agencies uh, we're getting the food to them. They hand the food to the folks that are food insecure and, and need a little help right now. You know, you mentioned that it's doubled. How do you prepare for that, Michelle? It's one thing, you, you know, you know the numbers. That also means if it's double, you guys are going to need to be able to do twice as much to do your part. How difficult of a proposition is that? It's been especially challenging these last nine months in, in not knowing what was going to be happening with the COVID virus, with the vaccination, what kind of support we would get from the USDA. So uh, Food Bank of Iowa has been nimble. Uh, we are looking at new opportunities every day. We've had so many partners come forward asking, how can we help? And we've taken advantage of that in, in, in the fall coming into winter. There are 15 entities. Um, spread across the Des Moines uh, metro that are supporting Des Moines Public School District off-site school pantries. If you are a Des Moines Public School District family, come to our website and find the distribution center nearest you. You can come as often as you like. You don't need to show an ID or make an appointment. Mm, Great. Volunteering, something that people that maybe don't have the financial means or just have the time and able to do it, What's the easiest way to get involved and become a volunteer with the food bank? Again, come to our website, foodbankiowa.org, and there's a place there to sign up for a volunteer shift. And we cannot do our work. We cannot move this food and this volume of food without volunteers. Right now, we're very busy bagging up, uh, putting into family-sized portions, bulk food items that we've purchased, oatmeal, black beans, quinoa, pinto beans, Mm. uh, so we can get those, uh, take them from two-ton tote bags and get them into family-sized portions, get them out to people as quickly as possible. We're also putting together uh, school, elementary school children, backpack foods that uh, we work with over 100 schools right now um, to get backpacks out. Uh, Michelle Book, CEO of Food Bank Iowa, foodbankiowa.org. Michelle, in our final couple of minutes, why don't you just uh, take that airtime and use it as you will. What message do you want to get across, Michelle Book? These are tough times. The COVID vaccination uh, hopefully will slow down the spread of this very, very, very impactful virus, but it's not going to slow down food insecurity. We expect food insecurity to increase continue to increase for a number of years as a result of this current recession. Right now, the wintertime is tough. No island should have to decide between heating or eating.
Mm. Go to foodbankiowa.org to get help or to be of help. Thank you. Heat or eat. What a decision, sadly, you have to make. Michelle Book, anytime you uh, need our help, please reach out, okay? You've been great partners. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michelle. Good to talk to you. Be well. Michelle Book, CEO of the uh, Food Bank of Iowa, uh, foodbankiowa.org. If you can help, uh, if you need help, you can see the pantries. Michelle mentioned there are 15 of them. There's a link right on the website, foodbankiowa.org. Uh, under the features, you can click on Des Moines Pantries. Uh, takes you to the northwest side of Des Moines. There's three of them there. There's four of them on the north side. East side, there's a couple. West side, south side. Got you covered. Foodbankiowa.org if you can help or if you need help. All right, Miller and Condon, one more hour to go. We're going to head to Austin. Chip Brown on Texas-Iowa State tonight. Texas football, Big 12 as well. And then our friend Zuba Mahente will join us. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.